podcast Chuck Rayberg as a semantic technologist talk about how to create a common language from technology to help core competency so stay tuned So welcome everyone to another episode of Future of Data podcast. Today we have uh, a guest in a very interesting topic that I'm very excited uh, to have a conversation on. Chuck Rayberg. So Chuck is a CTO at Trigen Software, chief scientist at Semantic Insights. Chuck has developed patent uh, uh, patented high performance rule engine technology and advanced natural language pro- uh natural language understanding technologies that empowers a new generation of semantic research solutions chuck has more than 30 years of high tech uh, industry experience developing leading edge solutions in the area of ai artificial intelligence semantic technologies analytics and product configuration software as a cto at trigen software chuck lead uh, the development of mission critical uh, systems in the use today at uh, navistar international corporation developed and patented fast rule selection engine as chief scientist at semantic insights chuck lead the development of semantic insight research assistant resulting in five patents uh, in the area of natural language understanding massachusetts based semantic insights is a wholly owned subsidiary of trigen software um, chuck is has a bachelor's in chemistry and masters in computer science from university of new mexico and holds seven patents in the area of information translation natural language understanding chuck has a passion for creating and working with committed teams that deliver real solutions to difficult problems so chuck with that welcome to the podcast hey thanks for having me beautiful beautiful so it's like i was i was almost out of my breath so this is this is fabulous <laughs> this is this is like it's a it's a right size um so let's let's talk about your journey uh, if wow. you can if you can walk our folks through about uh, about your professional journey sure um well i uh kind of i started out uh doing pre-med in college um uh, and i was a paramedic and i was taking biology and chemistry and then i got seduced by the power of computing uh to create to be able to create something new with using the primary tool as your brain what a what a wonderful thing and and i found that that i didn't uh, i didn't damage or kill anyone in the process so so my my pre-med uh aspirations became a little more clinical and a uh a little more researchy and then eventually became more about uh about you know using computers and 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 that sort of stuff um eventually um uh my my interests kind of evolved from doing it myself to to uh, taking on problems that require a team you know big enough problems you know you solve the problems to you can as an individual and then you solve them as a team and eventually uh as a now the team becomes the project right <laughs> you're still doing technology and you're still making things and 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 that but uh, but now you you're more than just you and and making that work um along the way found mentors and uh that's always an important thing is to is to be with people who uh can uh can help you can uh, are doing things that you want to do and uh, many of these wonderful people uh could see my potential through my obvious limitations which is <laughs> always a good thing to have in a mentor you know uh i took an ai course in graduate school 
and uh, after I got a degree in chemistry and then I went to graduate school in computer science and I took an AI course and I was thinking this isn't artificial intelligence this is you know algorithms these are these are fancy algorithms I this is really not not really I mean what is intelligence here and this and so you got to admit you know I mean like I'm like, like in my early 20s barely you know barely barely uh, in my 20s and and I'm I'm talking to the AI professor there and saying um, she looked up at me and said, okay, Tuesday, I want to see your ideas, um, uh, in my office here at four o'clock and then went back to her work. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. And so, uh, that led to, uh, uh, eventually I became her graduate assistant, uh, and a teaching assistant at college and, and, uh, you know, it was, it was great. I even got a job, uh, doing, uh, AI work at, uh, um, Digital Equipment Corporation. We built something called Ops Five and uh, the XCon project there, and this was in 1980. So we're talking really early on. Um, from there, you know, it's interesting. I think that I probably that's I probably haven't strayed too much from that uh, that initial beginning in in throughout the years. But I've I've done a lot of different projects and a lot of different products. So that's eventually I end up at my current role. I uh, uh, started a company uh, with some uh, some some uh, partners and uh, in, eventually sold it and then worked at the company you who bought the company because you that's what you do and made sure that it could get off and all that get off uh, going and stuff and then uh, I joined uh, Trigent uh, mostly hired by some friends that were already working there that's how this business often works <laughs> and um, um, uh, I was there to just, you know, it was dot-com boom time in, in 2000, dot-com boom, and they were making products and stuff like that. And then um, they said, hey, you know, we have a company here who uh, is looking to uh, to actually be sold, uh, and we we're thinking of buying it, and, and, and they use something called Ops 5. And I said, what? Mm. Hey, wait, I know this. I know this. Thing. <laughs> and so uh, once that was back in, in, in my grasp, um, um, we came up with, uh, we were supposed to replace it and we came up with a new way to, uh, a new, uh, uh, rules-based system that was, uh, much better characteristics, uh, in speed and space, flat in memory. And, uh, um, once you have something powerful in your hands, then you say, well, what am I going to do with this now? What can I do with this? What problems can I solve? It's just another tool in the toolbox, really. I mean, it's not like, I didn't really kind of obsess about that per se because there's lots of tools in the toolbox everything from you know you know uh map reduce type things to uh, artificial neural nets to there's lots of tools in the toolbox and and i just collected them as well but uh we started dealing with uh natural language processing because one of our clients um said uh, uh had this problem and they run a tech a technical assistance center and so they get problems all the time but the problems are on software that is uh integrated with other pieces and those things have bugs those things mm -hmm. have issues there are technical reports all the time and so somebody calls up and you know this this particular uh, potential client we were dealing with uh, uh makes um, uh, manufacturing control software and also software that controls nuclear power, uh, nuclear uh, power plants, and that sort of stuff. So, um, so they needed to have answers fairly quickly, good answers fairly quickly, 
and but they couldn't possibly look through all of the data the textual data to figure this out so we started saying well how can we help them find what they need to know just what they need to know uh calling from all kinds of things and that led us to natural language processing natural language understanding um and it just one thing led to another and then we started doing that so that's how i kind of came to semantic insights starting semantic insights inside of uh trigent as the r d group I don't know. I could probably continue to talk on one question at a time. Yes, yes. No, I think that's that's fabulous, by the way, and and thank you for walking us through that. So, um, in, in so now let's talk about your current role. Um, so your day to day role as 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 a technologist uh, in in Trigent and and chief scientist at Semantic Insights. What what how what does it look like? We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast um well trident is a multinational company so that we have people all over and so uh, my day starts at like four in the morning uh and uh and and i start my us day around 11 11 30 uh, in the morning uh, and then into the evenings as uh, as the sun kind of moves around. Um, the um, my uh, my current role. I'm an officer of the corporation, so uh, as chief technology officer. So um, I have uh, both operational responsibilities in terms of uh, PNL, um, how things, um, the system management's, uh, physical plants, all that sort of stuff. Also, a personnel type. Uh, uh, operations, especially in the area of, of development. So what's happened is I started off as a pure CTO uh, and kind of CIO sort of mix sort mm -hmm. of uh, thing. And then where I was just dealing with the technologies and 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 trying to solve, uh, finding ways to solve problems for our clients and working with other uh, architects to mm -hmm. figure it out. And I've kind of like morphed into, well, you know, our business is so, you have to really be on top of technology to survive. I mean, you can't just learn a language and, can, and then set about to go do that for five mm -hmm. or 10 or 15 years. You, you have to really stay on top of it. And so um, more and more, the solutions and the things that, uh, that in order to stay competitive and to actually meet the needs of our clients, more and more, we needed to have uh, a more training, more knowledge. We had to have a constant learning environment, constant learning uh, uh, system and, and, uh, and be able to kind of grow our people both from outside as we hire, but also from inside. And so I ended up becoming far more um, um, operational with the development teams themselves. And then I kind of ended up becoming operational with the project managers because mm. now they're having to, they have to keep up to date with the technology. Plus they're also managing people. And, uh, and as you know, this is really, you know, software development is really about people more than technology. Uh, in terms of like you know, how to put together teams, how to deal with egos, how to deal with the needs of the individuals and all of that sort of stuff. So, um, so my, uh, so my, my day kind of like, uh, it's, it's hugely context switching hmm. is that one moment I'm negotiating a contract. The next minute I'm dealing with some sort of, uh, uh, licensing issue. The next minute I'm, um, um, trying to um, solve a problem that uh, has come up, like maybe a fire, and in the next minute, I'm I'm working on a, a patent, or I'm working on 
some new thing with uh, with uh, someone or working with a client. And so it's, you know, it's really difficult to say what I do in, in any one thing, you know, it's like, right. I play for a living, actually. <laughs> I, that's what I feel say. What do you do for a living? Well, I, I kind of play for a living. I, you know, you get to like do the best you can with all the various things, and it's it's not boring. Interesting. No, I think thank you so much. Uh, that that's that sounds that sounds a a a, a perfect job description for a job. Like you should, <laughs> should. so that's that's fun. Like yeah, I I agree. I agree. So. What what is Trigen software? If you can if you can walk us through that uh, to give us an idea where like your template. Right, Trigen software is a, kind of a boutique uh, software uh, outsourcing consultancy sort of thing. We do mm -hmm. we solve problems for clients, kind of, you know that sort of thing. Um, we do them uh, in any country that happens to that we that we have people and we need to do work with them. We can do same time zone, same same company we can do spread the work out um we um don't really focus on there, there are things that have happened to us that we focus on specific hmm. industries uh transportation uh, uh healthcare, um um finance education um that sort of thing hmm. and the various forms of healthcare have kind of like become part of what we do um and we so we've solved Lots of interesting problems, things that we had no idea we we had to like come. You have to come up to speed in that domain mm. really fast. We may have, have people in the domain, but we may not. And so it's it's very important to be able to apply your technology in the context of the domain to actually get the the trust and the uh, and the and the um, the the buy-in because people are they're really trusting. With their future, they're they're not only paying you money, right. but they're actually taking a risk on 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 getting something built, and so we have to really uh, we take that uh, that that trust seriously. Interesting. And, and and so so what's what's the what's the the boutiqueness or what's the niche uh, with Trigens like? Right. What do you guys do for 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 your clients? Well, um, you mentioned uh, Navistar. Um, the majority of the school uh, of the school buses in the United States were configured using software that that we provide them, mm -hmm. that we wrote and provide them. Um, uh, the maybe some sort of like uh, uh, twelve percent or so. It varies a little bit of the eighteen wheelers, the over the road traffic in the United States. Mm -hmm. the, the 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 trucks were configured using software we provide. By configure, I mean that an order comes in, mm. and their business model is one of a kind. Is that is is that each order can be a custom order? But can you imagine, you know, hundreds of thousands of orders coming in in a year, each of them being unique? Mm. And so, how do you how do you manufacture that, and how do you define that, and how do you put things together? So our uh, orders come in. They're accustomed to whatever the needs of the client are, uh, and um, then we determine what parts need to go on the system, where the holes need to go on the system, uh, and that sort of thing. Uh, now, by say we determine, we provide the software that allows their engineers mm. specify mm. this. The engineers specify it. We essentially turn it into a rules-based system under the under the under the skin, and then execute. You know, hundred uh, well millions of rules per uh, per per configuration and that goes to the ERP system they mm -hmm. order it, it ends up at the plant they build it and that's how it goes interesting so that's I, I, 
yeah i think that's that's fabulous and we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast <clears throat> excuse me so when when i was um uh, sort of uh, looking at your profile uh, when i when i reached out to you for for this conversation i think what what fascinated me most about the very aspect of semantics right so uh, yes. you have been pretty much well dipped in the in the area of of semantics and you have done a lot of fun stuff you are doing lot of fun stuff so <clears throat> before we get into that th- that domain i want to know like how does semantic fit into your your current your trident uh, software model like how how does it fit in right um well uh, it is it is somewhat challenging since we didn't uh so uh we've created product mm-hmm. inside of a uh outsourcing consultancy right so now we have product right. we have intellectual property and uh and uh so our clients have needs and what we do is we work with our clients and we create partnership it's really kind mm-hmm. of that sort of thing and so mm-hmm. they may come to us looking for x but we end up you know saying hey you know we learn about their business we learn what their what their pain points are and if we can address them uh with what we have then great we'll go do it but if we can't address them and we're, we and we have an enduring partnership we actually i actually uh, send it over to the semantic uh uh insights research and, and development division mm. and uh and we try and figure out how to solve it we had to, how to do it and this has led us to um um not only predictive analytics but prescriptive analytics mm. nice. now where 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 it's not enough for us to say hey this is what's mm. going to happen in the future if you continue to do what you're doing now it's what do i have to do now to get the future i want that sort of prescriptive analytics sort of thing and and those sorts of things that you know once you start to step in that area and it becomes another the tool in the toolbox mm. you can start to look to for places to apply it anywhere uh uh from healthcare to finance to um um to a certain business uh, mm. and also uh and also uh, uh, um, government work yeah, so okay. interesting no i think that that's that, that's that's awesome by the way so um would you mind sort of um, sort of telling us telling our, our audience about um, what is semantic what is semantic right right okay so you mean like the the the, the technology itself as such yes, yes. Mm-hmm. okay all right so we talk about semantics we talk about um, what would be considered meaning of thing mm. okay so there are things we experience in the world we experience reading this sort of stuff and so you could think of natural language processing as 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 a as a way of uh, of encoding information in text uh, you know, in 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 what we do with uh, is we encode information in text and how do you decode that information back and human beings do that because we learned how to read as kids and we figured it out and we we understand how generally the meaning of the terms and how the meaning of the of the of the concepts uh, work together uh, as a cluster mm-hmm. you know everything from subject verb object in the um, world of, of, of reading of, uh, of natural language. Um, so, so there's that, but, but if you think of like uh, semantics, it deals with, uh, as I say, the meaning of things mm. and how I like to think of it is, um, is that we say that when we experience something, whether it's a, a, a movie 
uh, could be a, a picture, a photograph, a piece of art, uh, natural language. We as human beings, we experience it and we come to understand it by mapping it to concepts that we already have, our worldview. Right? And sometimes it doesn't map and you go, hmm, mm. I, I have to I don't know this, I have to figure this out. And so we define meaning in terms of mapping what we experience to our worldview. So there's there's kind of two things that are going on as we grow up as neonates, we become mm. as, as newborns, is that we start to acquire the language. But we also acquire how things work in this world. And we, mm. and we build a model of how the world works in this worldview. And so semantics is like the mapping of, of, the, of the experience of something what a friend of mine says, the uh, the show versus the no, it's <laughs> what it is, right? And then what you what you what you make of it. Mm. And it's interesting in that in that you may read something and make something of it, and I can read the exact same something and make mm. something else of it, because we both have different worldviews. But to the extent that our worldviews overlap or are the same, then we can encode information and in, in a high bandwidth communicate it back and forth. And so science tends to the whole science and various domains uh, um, uh, of understanding have common sets of understanding. And that's how we, we learn these, these particular things. So semantics is like this natural language understanding. Mm. Uh, is, understanding part is the mapping of mm. the experience to the worldview. The worldview is typically in our, in our technology called an ontology. Right? And so we have this sort of thing. And so there's the uh, nat there's natural language processing, which deals with the parsing of that sort of thing. But really, the the mapping of the experience to the worldview is the semantic part. Interesting. No, I think thank you so much for, for walking us through that. And and, sure. and and when I think why I was so fascinated about this conversation uh, that today we are having was so in, in, in our data analytics world. Right. So we see a lot of standards emerging. We see like uh, we had a um, lot of um, speakers from the IoT world. Every every tool is coming up with their with their own semantics, with their own sort of way way to communicate within their ecosystem. And and I think and one of the thing that 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 you rightly said is having like understanding the meaning to actually go prescriptive about things, right? And and to actually have a meaning, you should, as you said, you need to have ontologies, right, between between all these different languages, so that you can translate it to a to a to a similar sort of context. So what is um, what is the state of semantics today? If if you can walk us through um, your perspective on, mm -hmm. like how is how is the world of semantic computing guys uh, holding up when they're seeing so much of emergence of standards and 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 we start we even seeing like every vendor is coming up or maintaining their own silos and 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 sort of how would uh, what are your thoughts on that? We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair, fastest AI-powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Right. So there's there's kind of two worlds. There's the academic world. There's mm. the world of like you know invention and that sort of stuff. And then there's the world of practice. Mm. Is how do we actually use this to be real and make something real out of it? And, and use it in such a way that you, you, you don't always drink from the same well. You can drink from lots of wells. And so mm -hmm. you have to have standards to say, what am I drinking? Mm -hmm. I'm drinking the water. It's the same water over there. Right? So, now, um, it's interesting. So, so you want to be able to have a way of encoding things mm -hmm. 
in a way that's that's trans uh, interconvertible. So you think of things like like owl uh, is a is an encoding language, and and uh, and so RDF as a way of creating mm -hmm. triples for understanding things, and then graph databases as a way of storing large volumes of, of of things like that. So you think of those those sorts of things as being standards for encoding. The next question is 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 the standards for what you talk about. There's how you say it. Let's have a standard mm -hmm. way of talking of how of how we say things. Now, what about what we say? Mm -hmm. The standards of what we say. And so that tends to fall often in the area of ontology, mm -hmm. where ontology is um, is you know says these are the generalizations and specializations of 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 the concepts I have, and these are how concepts are related to other concepts. And so you kind of like map out a little world, could be the world of chemistry or biology or physics, could be uh, you know all kinds of healthcare things, uh, could be pharma, could be anything. So you have these worlds, and they have subworlds, and they have they have terms, ways of speaking about it, and so there are dictionaries that go with it. Hmm. So in order to be operational, you need to have like a dictionary of how we hmm. speak of it in ways that are standardized ways of speaking about things. And then there's this model of how re concepts relate to other concepts. So if I encounter something in, in, uh, in, in the written form that talks about silver or platinum, mm -hmm. and in my model, I understand that silver, gold, and platinum are precious metals, and I come across some other place that talks about precious metals do this, then I can also make, then I can go through the concepts of the, of the ontology to draw the relationships from the mm. silver gold platinum over here to uh, the relationships that also uh, embody its generalization. So we can use the generalization specialization sort of thing as a, as a way of holding information, world information, which isn't necessarily communicated to us in a given document. A document talks about what it talks about. It assumes you have some background. Often we don't understand something until unless we have some background in it or, or we have really good ways of guessing at what is missing sort of thing like that. Interesting. And so, yeah. So I was just uh, so so in terms of in terms of the standards, um, a lot of standards about um, about encodings and how we would represent this information. Um, and there are uh, standards like if you what used to be called ontolog, I think it's called mm. uh, it's not uh, the ontology group. It's called the ontology uh, ontology summit group of mm. people. They uh, they uh, you know try to push forward with kind of John Soa kind of leading leading that way sort of thing to push forward into uh, under uh, coming up with ways of expressing and uh, and the kinds of things we could talk about in ontologies. Um, it's really it's 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 key stuff. Once you figure out the the how we say it. Mm. Then you got to figure out what we say, mm. and then in practice, and it turns out in practice that if we're going to have human beings in the loop here, then each of us will have maybe a different mapping of what they experience to uh, to their own ontology, and so there are differences. Like I could look at something with one ontology and says I'm looking for risk. I could look at that same thing and I'm looking for opportunity. I have two different uh, you know, financial advisors here, but they're both looking at the same thing, and I want to employ them both. So it's really kind of great. You can actually start to merge uh, understandings from lots of sources and then get more of a 360 sort of view of things.
interesting no i think that's 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 fabulous and 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 in fact like uh when i was i was looking at your profile and i think one thing that 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 i was really liking um that to me you represent as the 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 technology translator right so now businesses are using lot of technology stacks lot of lingos lot of their own sort of dictionaries and their 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 own softwares and sometimes you need someone who understand how they can all come together and 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 help your like from the context of your business right so that's you you are perfectly equipped for that um, kudos to to trident but for any other business right so for any other business who has it is a technologist what are what are some of some of your thoughts for any other peer technologist who are not from semantic world who is not a good translator maybe to understand and and sort of struggling through this um integration challenges between 1700 products that they are working on or at least uh, products they are using uh, to maintain their core competencies like what are some of the best practices that you have seen that businesses should do to sort of help them use technology to their advantage rather than just pretty much like getting bogged down understanding what each one is saying in its own context yeah i think that uh that you need to break down the silos uh, i find in the projects mm-hmm. what what happens and that's kind of a, an interesting position that i'm in now that i'm uh, operational with the projects themselves is that i can look across them and say ah you know mm-hmm. you're solving a different way of the same sort of thing over here and we can use reusable code but we can also use reusable designs mm-hmm. we can understand things like that and 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 cross pollinating the experience the kinds of uh the kinds of considerations one has in in delivering the high quality products um um the other thing is is that this cross pollination group this uh, i have this something called the they call it octo in our group office of uh the cto um and the, the architects there um it's it's fascinating because we get together and somebody is going to say something that is new to me and maybe i will say something that's new to them and they'll say we're doing this or that and uh some really uh fascinating stuff the the other day i was uh, uh was with a group uh we have something called the new technology group another another group of like you want to like encourage certain people in your organization who are just passionate about certain new technologies and learning things and and growing sort of things so i created this new technology group which is actually separate from my formal octo which is separate from my my r&d group but this new technology group uh, they were they did a demonstration of uh some TensorFlow stuff. So mm-hmm. they were talking, here's some TensorFlow stuff. And and and, uh, and when I got done, I said, hey, you know, I've been reading this book about uh, about um, t- um, uh, trees, decision trees, and mm-hmm. forests and stuff like that. And and so we started we started this interesting conversation now about how that would work. And and mm-hmm. you know, you know what you have to consider when you're looking at things in TensorFlow, you know, uh, which is you know essentially an implementation of this sort of this sort of approach. It's like, wow, this is this is, uh, the, you know, that sort of thing, and, and then the whole group, the group goes, okay. So, next week we'll do a demo on this sort of thing and that sort of thing. So, um, I would say that, you know, if you're going to stay up to stay up to the mark here on on mm-hmm. on what's going on and be able to apply technologies where best, you have to know about them first. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you know about them? So you can learn. You have, you have you find people who are learning on their own or who are discovering things and you put this together and you kind of build build up a a, a, a kind of a technology core competence across the group I mean you've seen that uh, that uh, they've done studies that show that uh, uh, that cities that the that the amount of uh, innovation that happens when you have 
a concentration of people in a city. It just happens to be more per person. You think, well, how did that happen? Well, hmm. because you're sharing ideas and, and that sort of thing. Being able to look across and uh, uh, and seeing uh, seeing patterns, design patterns, uh, various kind of implementation patterns, um, and also you know patterns in the problems, in the problem space. You know this problem is very much like that problem. That sort of thing. I mean, those are the kinds of things that I would I would say if you want to, you know, I mean. If you want to uh, create a, a way, uh, build a way to to acquire and and you use productively uh, newer technologies, and and that's by the way that's happening all the time. New technologies. I mean, what I'm doing today, I, I didn't know ten years ago. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. five years ago. Right. You got to stay on top. Yeah. Interesting. So I think well said. So so your solution is build people together uh, bring people together and they can build dialogues and from there hopefully you'll get you'll get some understanding of what's going on and you'll find common grounds and i think that's pretty much mimicking what uh, semantic does in the in the in, in its best form so i think uh, well said the other thing that 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 i'm i'm, I'm really curious to, to have your perspective on is um, so called disruption i think you talk about innovation and uh, more people brings more innovation so one thing that that we see a lot nowadays is almost every technology stack is going through its disruptive like s curve growth right a lot of parallel p folks coming in and, and exploding them with their, with their with their sort of standards with with their performance uh, inputs and and, and 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 what and what not making it making a, a job of a technologist today very cumbersome right so because now when you are when you're going through your s curve disruption you're not in your most stable form right so you you may not know what like, there may be sort of hacks uh, or or there may, there may be backdoors that are that are left behind there like for speed people might be um, sort of uh, uh, not taking every aspect into consideration so what are some of your thoughts um, or some of your perspective of being uh, how do you help businesses or, or as, as a technologist uh, to maintain a stable uh, technology stack when you're actually sitting o over a disruptive uh, sort of infrastructure that that's that's growing every day yeah one of the things that uh, one of the things that we do in 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 the new technology group is everyone is challenged when they bring in a technology or they have a technology everyone is challenged to say well, what is the aha here hmm. what is what is the fundamental concept or what they say in in the patent technology the inventory concept what is mm. what is the aha here what is they mm. trying to do and and what you'll find is, is that that allows us to separate the hype peel away the hype from the reality of of given technologies you know all right so and and once we do that then we say okay so what does that aha enable us to do now and so and so it becomes it be, we become less attached to certain ontologies, uh, uh, certain uh, technologies, um, and more attached to the capability. What is the mm -hmm. capability I'm supposed to be doing here? You know, what can I do? Can I do that better over here? Can I use this? Can I adapt this? You know, what is what is the what is the value? In, what is the contribution of this technology to what I'm uh, really about? And so really, it's kind of like focusing people on on uh, it's it's really the the, the product. It's really the application, you know. Uh, I, I think that you know of a. I'm, I'm part scientist and part engineer, mm. 
in that sense uh in that yeah i like i like science i like solving real problems and solving difficult problems and that sort of thing but reducing concept to practice and making it really valuable and having real users and have people interact with it you know that's that's really got to be the focus of, of 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 the application of technology interesting interesting okay well said so um other thing that that i'm i'm, I'm pretty bothered nowadays is is the word is the word appifying right so we are seeing a lot of emergence of a lot of apps uh, enterprise apps each doing a very specific use case hopefully really well but that's pretty much like and, and businesses each business in its in itself has uh, taken forever to build a core competency and build a build a, build a software edge and and what and what not and now they have to sort of create this banded like apps um, uh, work together now as your technologist what are what is what what is your thought uh, about um, about this this emerging world of uh, so called app technologies vis-a-vis -vis of uh, your enterprise stack or whatever sure sure um a couple of different angles of thought here one is um uh, anytime we we are looking at a solution of how to apply a technology to a given solution um one of the things to consider is uh, how you're going to maintain this thing who's mm -hmm. going to maintain this thing right if uh um if you know, you're using a, a really a, a interesting language that's very powerful, but there aren't that many people who can do it. Um, that's an interesting, you have to, you have to weigh that, weigh that, you know, if you're going to use Ruby on Rails, that's fine. That's good. And it, it has lots of benefits, mm. but, you know, how are you going to play this out? And what, and, you know, and from a very practical sense, what is the cost of those resources too? You know, like, mm. hmm, interesting. Just a thing to consider. If you're going to start to consider how you're going to, depending on whether you're a startup or whether you're moving, you know, through the uh, through that whole process. Um, and then how are you going to adapt the thing to the evolving needs of your clients, the evolving, mm. uh, uh, the evolving competition, right? And so it's, it's really good not to make a monolith that will take a lot of time to... Mm to change and so we've we uh we we definitely embraced uh uh microservices and uh and devops type uh type uh team structures where you know we have you know dedicated teams that uh, um, are responsible for or pieces of, of of the of the show and uh and be able to go concept to showroom constant integration sort of thing constant testing we have a whole testing division of Trigent that is, mm. is a growing division. It's probably one of our fastest growing divisions of the thing is, is how do you test the world mm. of all of the various kinds of things, mobile testing, all this thing. It's amazing like that. And so um, and that's uh, in, in terms of, in terms of, you know, creating uh, SaaS type things, certainly absolutely uh, um, pay by the drink, um, customizable, being able to, being able to put in, um, changes to an application live and be able to put in changes for a given customer and not affect the other customers. Those are all mm. very cool stuff. And it works very well with, with very kind of like small segmented by small. When we say microservices, they can be large. Mm. Micro is size. It's just, it's more like an encapsulation concept. Interesting. So, yeah. Interesting. So um, one thing that, that I ask almost every technologist who comes on the show and then, uh, uh, you are here as well is 
uh, their perspective on bias. So I think one of the things that, that, that we are seeing nowadays a lot is, so IT is now pretty much the, the core spine of any, any core competency of a business, right? And then an IT, anyone who's enabling IT uh, is pretty much, in, they're enabling the core competency of bus- any business we, we talk today. Now with that, uh, with, uh, with more responsibility, uh, like with more power comes more responsibility. So now as a technologist, uh, pretty much handling a business spine, uh, how do you maintain yourself bias-free? I mean, um... I mean, like, uh, if I have a, if I have a favorite technology, right, how do I right, right, your your your, techn- your technology bias or your knowledge bias, right? Yeah, right, right. And I think I think that goes back to the to the kind of a core philosophy of of you know what is the aha of this technology? What does it really give mm. me? You know, if I'm using uh, Angular or if I'm using Node or something mm. like that, you know, that's those sort of tech. What 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 am I buying with this? And you know, what what's the pros and cons? How does that play? Um, and so, um, I try to I try to stay as neutral as I can. Um, I have, and and some of it is some of the decision is is who do I, how deep is my expertise in something, mm-hmm. and I, and I and I you know and as a company you have to say you know what is what is this technology decision going to cost the company, what mm-hmm. is it going to really be so, uh, and I think that comes from you know my larger perspective of not just. You know, technology. My my role in Trigent and and Semantic Insights is not just technology, but you know, how do we make this into a business? How do we make mm. this? How do we make intelligent business decisions about this? And especially for our clients too. How do we make intelligent business? And often they come with their own ideas of what it should be. You know, this is the technology. You know, uh, you know we have to we have to take the clients as they come, as they're so they have problems, but they also often has have notions of what the solution should or could be. And they also have their mm-hmm. own experts. And so you have their own experts with their own biases or whatever sort of thing. So almost the question is almost, how do I deal with the biases of our clients? Mm. You know, as, as opposed to my, in addition <laughs> to my own biases, right? That's true. That is, is, that, true. is that they come in and they go, really? Okay. <laughs> um, um, and so interesting, after a while, if we work with them, and we and we develop long-term relationships, sort of thing. Then we become kind of a consultant in that right. in that process of, of well, what is that? Uh, you know, what is that uh, uh, technology? What what should we be doing with this? And how would you choose this? And and uh, you know, but uh, I think that also Trigent is is since we we really cut the entire stack. We go everything from Mean Stack, Lamp Stack. Um, um, Microsoft, certainly a lot of Microsoft. Um, we're AWS, we're Azure, we're Google, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> cloud sort of thing. Um, we'll play it, uh, uh, anything. Uh, and, uh, which really, there are, we have, we have silos of people who are specialists in that area. Mm. And so now it's not so much me having a bias, but me listening to the biases of others and, adju- <laughs> and adjudicating <laughs> you know, how best to move something. Uh, so that goes back to, you know, it's mostly a, a, it's mostly a business about dealing with people rather than technology. That's true. I, I think, and, and that's, yeah, you spot on. I think and it, like when, when we started, you talk, you, you, you spoke about 
your job is to manage all the person all the healthy egos in the group and all that so you have to maintain <laughs> the politics so i think it's just it just act so every bias is is mostly about people and then sort of yep. how do you yeah okay beautiful so uh, let's talk about some of the kpis you care about like uh, as as a technologist like what are some of the some of the things that uh, um, that you monitor as, as as your success metric in, in your current role oh, yeah um all right so uh as being also operational in the company uh i collect data in the company okay i collect what is and so really understanding the cost of the data that's being collected the quality of the data mm. that's being collected the value to the organization of the understanding resulting from that data so i have to make decisions as to what to collect and how to treat that data and understand um um you know what it's what it what what value we can get out of it and all of that before uh in before actually going out to collect the data and actually going to get the information and so the data is usually about the the key success factors uh for the uh for the company you know they're about key factors about influencing ultimately you know the delivery process the life cycle process often uh um everything from testing to client satisfaction that sort of stuff but also uh utilization um resource usage all of that sort of stuff how do you collect the data and so you know what data to collect and how clean is that data and so i think a, a lot of my time is spent um looking you know it's it's one of the things about data science is that you'll spend more of your time collecting and cleaning data mm. than you will actually doing you know <laughs> uh different uh, uh algorithms on <laughs> getting it ready to go and 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 understanding what it is um and then i i think uh after you've collected it and after you've kind of reduced it and looked at it being able to then come back and and tell a useful story actually say this is what this data means this is this is what we can get at this is how we know so having an evidence driven decision base Mm. is is crucial uh, it's crucial for for companies especially small companies that have grown to be medium sized companies who mm. who started off with people who have a lot of experience and it, and one of the problems one of the things that flies in the face of experience is data is mm. that is you know it's always been this way we've never been able to do this well mm. why do you know why well because such and such really why um so being able to really you know follow the uh follow the rabbit down the hole and find the data and say well this is what it this is what it is this is how it how it really is um and and being able to pass see i can't convince my management or even my peers and my uh, my subordinates of really anything in, in some sense they'll do what they want and they'll say what they want so i have to put together a reasoned argument valuing their positions on things and understanding letting them know and letting them understand that i understand first i need to understand their position mm. first before i say anything i need to understand what is their what is their key driver just like what is that ad hoc that an aha concept in a new technology what is mm. the important things the real driver things in the in, in the people i work with and then gather the data and present the data in such a way that that they can connect with that and so um you know in in sort of like uh, understanding the data get the quality of the data the cost mm. of the data the value of the data um uh, those are the if you don't do those sorts of things 
Mm. Wonderful book on that point is 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 by a guy named Polya. Actually, it's an old book, but it's got uh, rewritten. It's called How to Solve It. You know, I, you know, you and I have talked about books in the past, um, but uh, you know, How to Solve It. It's it's an interesting, it's a fantastic book. Small small book, but very. It uh, it really kind of created modern mathematics in, uh, nice. in 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 a crystal way. Nice, nice. No, I think. Thank, uh, beautiful, well said. So let's 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 talk about uh, some team some team dynamics uh, as 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 a technologist. So, if um, what is your favorite team? Like, what is the structure of your favorite team? Like, what what are some of the ingredients oh. of of your favorite team? Oh yeah, well, um, um, I I love having uh, people who are uh, confident and creative, and uh, you know people who have. Who have achieved something in their in their in their uh, in their work, and they feel confident about what they've got. But at the same time, and I like working with these people because at some point they're going to be outside of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. They're going to be outside into something new. They're going to be there, and and to be able to to help their growth move along that path to the next level, right? We get to a certain levels and we think, oh, you know, I, I mastered this or that sort of thing. And, and I, I, I heard a quote the other day. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> yes. So like like that. that. And so so there's there's that sort of thing. I love having uh, in terms of like a team. Uh, I like having uh, people who are fairly new at the game, who are bright and energetic and hardworking. And they kind of like but but they're. Uh, uh, their egos sometimes are a little more fragile hmm. uh, than. In fact, they're all fragile. But uh, it's a it's a matter of, of of being able to create mentorship, and create an environment that creates and grows people in that mentoring sort of way. Um, so creating a team where um, people understand uh, that uh, there is responsibility, hmm. and that there is high integrity, and that uh, failure is an option but don't fail in silence make sure you mm. uh in fact if you're not failing fairly regularly mm. you're not pushing yourself very much <laughs> you know so create an environment where where it's okay to say i don't know mm. uh it's okay to uh, uh, uh the, where you where there's a clear definition of what you're responsible for um i was an early adopter of uh, of agile and scrum i, I love scrum it, it because it's 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 you know teaching people how to be very precise about saying mm. what, you know that communication and, and 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 getting the discipline you know creating and engendering that discipline in a team where it's really crisp nothing like it beautiful <laughs> well said so if um let's let's talk about creating a creating a team creating a team of avengers technology avengers um so if if you are put up um, as as a technologist for say a startup mm. how do you how do you approach at um, building a technology team or building a stable technology team what 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 is your what is your recipe right um i re- i you know I, I really have to i mean it's really important to uh to align the goals of the people you have on your team with the goals of the of the operation or the organization of the startup, right? Interesting. Now, they won't always be 100% overlapping. I mean, there there will be an overlap, right? But to find that overlap and to, and to be able to 
make and put that put that out as, and keep it present and keep it you know tangible to see everybody sees where they fit in in the game um ultimately startups are like families you know if you, mm. you and and as families you're going to have arguments and things like that you'll have whatever also startups are um are high pressure i mean there mm. are there are there are uh things there's a, a wonderful uh uh statement by a guy named moshi feldenkrais who said um any biologic system under stress tends to revert to a previous evolutionary behavior and so i think about that i think okay so startups are stress okay so you're going to deal with you're going to deal with you know you'll find out the kind of the, the real character at least the evolutionary path of the people mm -hmm. you deal with when you're under stress and you've missed this data this this bug doesn't get fixed and you're doing a demo tomorrow and it's not ready and uh, but it's but it's not just a demo it's it's at a conference and you're standing there and you know somebody made a change and then then they tested it but they didn't test all, just all of that stuff right so that's the reality of, of of the work um and being able to remain friends and 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 work together and uh, is is really important so being able to uh you know find the people with the right alignment as far mm -hmm. as the technology part of course um you know, this is really jacks are better to open sort of thing. You need to have mm -hmm. the technology. You need to have background in the technology, and so we'll we'll deal with that. Um, I'm I'm of the opinion. I'm of the of the belief, if you say, that you know, um, you should be able to if you if you have a, a good command of uh, of 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 technology um, sufficient enough, you can. Um, you can pick up a new technology. Hmm. You know Angular, you can do Node. If you know uh, um, PHP, then you can probably do. Uh, you can probably. Um, um, I don't know. Uh, do other things too. So it's like you know, it's like there are there are kind of like things which are similar enough to each other, which easy to like to change and to grow. And if they're not, I mean, fundamentally, you know, at some at some base level, it's really you know sequence and control and expression. And distribution over time and space. I've just described programming languages. All languages deal with that: sequence and control, expressions, distribution over time and space. That's so. How does that happen? How does that happen in Java and C, in 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 Perl, in um, you know anything in Ruby? It's all different ways of doing that. Interesting. Interesting. I think that's, that's well said. So one thing um, we are almost uh, coming to our close to our our, our, our our interview. So I have a few questions to ask actually. Sure. So one thing is, um, what is what is your perspective? I want to know about state of um, semantics today. So are, are are you confident that with so much standards emerging and so much sort of uh, chaos happening, uh, we are equipped, uh, like will be fine, or, or or do you think that more needs to be done um, when it comes to trans, like creating this common ontologies or common common languages, so that at least um, the translation to business value could be could be uh, done easily. Like, what what's your thought on 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 the current state of of, of semantics? Um, another quote. I I don't remember who said it actually. Um. They said science advances only through the death of scientists. Um, that says that 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 often often concepts which which are holding sway are actually mm. 
that have brought us to a certain great place are mm. of the same concepts that get in the way of the next step, right? Mm. And so, but we, we, we venerate and value the people who've created those concepts and, and brought them forth and, and, and who staked their careers on that. And it, it creates a barrier to the next step. And, and I've seen that, uh, that there are a lot of companies out there who are uh, doing innovative things, which, are, which have fallen away from the pure faith of the standards and, uh, and, 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 and semantic uh, technology as such. Um, I think that uh, I, it's very positive. I, I, I look at what's going on and I'm thinking, you know, there is uh, so much interesting things, especially when we start to take, uh, once you start to being able to um, uh, look at experience and be able to um, uh, examine that experience uh, semantically, and then recombine the experience to solve problems in ways that no one had saw, seen, thought about solving them that way before. Okay. Now we're talking discovery. Now we're talking, and that's where we're on the, we're, I mean, we've, we've stepped through that door in many ways. We're not all the way in, but we've stepped through that door in many ways. And so the ability to, to create what you might think of as cognitive prosthetics, mm. things that will help your brain, you know, it's not going to take the person out of the loop. But it's going to it's going to accelerate our ability to 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 uh, to contribute and 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 process uh, and and gain insight uh, uh, quite amazingly. So I think that we're mm. we're uh, there are places that are that are stepping into that. Uh, I'm certainly it's certainly a hot place where I'd like to I'd like to play and I am playing in. Uh, mm. And uh, but um, then there is doing a business mm. doing the business of semantics and how people think of that and so mm. in some sense uh it's on that s curve sort of thing where you know the early adopter is uh you know it's now up to the point where we have people who want to uh, uh use uh natural language processing and and uh, from everything from sentiment analysis to reading tweets why not read tweets and then see how that's going being able to uh um detect uh break uh, uh, outbreaks like mm -hmm. if by looking at uh, health reports from around the world and the mm -hmm. kinds of things that are going on not as even health reports but mm -hmm. uh, uh um, agricultural reports mm -hmm. what's going on in particular lakes in africa or what's going on in particular regions and you go hmm this is interesting this correlates with other things that we know and so that you know start to do that with big data with with pattern recognition uh, and being able to then, you know, pull the information out of natural language sources. Um, <laughs> I think that's very much going there. Nice, nice. So, um, and let's talk about you for a, for a, for a minute. So, what's the secret of success for you? Like, if for, for folks who are wannabe use, what are some of the ingredients uh, that you think were really helpful along your journey? If you can share that. Yeah, I think that uh, you know. I think you you really shouldn't you you really need to hold on to your professional integrity and your personal integrity. Mm -hmm. I think you need to uh, uh, you need to uh, you need to be politic about things. I mean, you you know you can't say everything that's on your mind. Mm -hmm. You have to look at the context. You are responsible for your words, and not just the words that you say, but how they land. People mm -hmm. say that you're not responsible for this other person's anger. 
Um, mm. If I knew that uh, my words were going to make them angry, yes, I am responsible for those. That's words. True. I'm responsible not for their anger, but I'm responsible for the words that, that, that may have contributed to that. So being aware of the context you're in and, and, and living it with integrity within that. And, you know, and if you're, if you're being asked to do something or if something occurs that is outside of your integrity, then say so. Say, look, you know, I really can't go there. Mm. You know, you don't have to say no per se, but, you know, if they say, we really want you to go there, I said, tell me how I can, tell me how I can make that right. You know, tell me how, how does this, how does this really work? You know, and, 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 and those sorts of things allow us to, uh, to, to create relationships with our bosses and with others, mm -hmm. with our peers and with our colleagues and everything, you know, that, uh, that, uh, that, that once, um, once you've delivered on your promises, you know, and once you've delivered, they can, they know you're a reliable person and that you have uh, integrity, then people will tend to rely on you and people will tend to mm -hmm. seek you. And, and, you know, if I don't know something, I say, I don't know something. I, and, but I want to know, but, uh, you know, so tell me about that. If you ask me a question, if you make a statement about something and I don't know what it is, uh, I'm thinking, well, what, what, how does that work? You know, uh, what is that? Uh, one of our architects did that the other day. He said, oh, what was it? Uh, some architectural pattern. It was an architectural pattern. Mm. And I said, I've never heard of that before. Mm. And so the next time we spoke, I had I'd read now two or three papers on the topic, and I had a, a sense of what it was. I talked to him and found out that he's still learning it too. So it was like, so I think that uh, that uh, there is there is a there's a thing, and like in in the in the in the growth of a of a of an engineer over a core of a over a, a career is that you know um you want to achieve you want to uh, do the right thing you want to to be successful you want to have accomplishment and mm. you want to be right in some sense there's this whole notion of being right you know you want to you want to be known as someone who's right now i'm not so so, so much interested mm. in being known as someone who's right i'm being known as someone who can create right together with us over time that may not be right the first time but 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 together we will make this work you know we will we will succeed at this sort of thing and we'll do it and we'll uh without like you know damaging relationship no, so I, I think, think that's, it. that's it i think it's it's beautiful so professional and personal integrity as for technologies i think it's a music to my ear so i think definitely it's a, it's, it's 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 beautiful so thank yeah. you, do thank you for sharing that and being that so yeah. definitely really helpful so let's 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 talk about your favorite read uh, if you can, if you want to share uh, with, with our audience oh yes i love it i love it <laughs> um um all right so uh here's a it's a short list not a long well <laughs> it, it could be far longer but uh i'll give you a short list um one of the first books that uh that really kind of like turned me uh, turned my head into craziness was a, a book written in the 40s uh, by a guy named Stephen Pepper called World Hypothesis, a study in evidence, uh, study in evidence. And uh, you can get this at Amazon if you if you want. Um, and the neat thing is, is he talks about the four relatively adequate worldviews and, 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 you know, of which three were taught in school, but the fourth one were not. But when you apply it and you look at it, it's really kind of like, wow. So that was kind of one of those I hadn't even known those thoughts were possible sort of books. Another book uh, by George Lakoff, again, from the, uh, I guess, from the late 90s, 
called Women, Fire, and Dangerous Things, What Categories Reveal About the Mind. And it talks about how we think about categorization of things. You know, all you have to have really is to categorize something. You, see, you can have the head of the list, the head of the class, the head of, you know, mm. um, you know, what is the what is the category? Well, the category is that there's nothing in common there except that they're all related to a metaphor called a body. Mm. The right hand man, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> you know, they're all related. So all so how do you do how do you do categorization? Now, what is that? Why is that important? Well, object-oriented world is categorization. Mm. Classes are categories. Actually, they're right. just set def definers. And there's, right. there's this called classification functions. And so what is your classification function? How do you recognize members of that set? Which is really what uh, George Lakoff, and George Lakoff is a linguist. And it's mm. kind of one of those things that kind of led me, as I start to hang out with linguists, I end up becoming more and more into linguistics because I got a C in in, in, in high school in, in English. It was not my top sport, my top course. And so it was not, but I, I'm there now. Right. So that's one. Uh, I mentioned the other one, how to solve it. A, it's called a new mm. aspect of mathematical, of mathematical method uh, by George Paglia and others who have uh, updated it uh, to a modern time. A fantastic, fantastic book, uh, tight read, uh, well-written. Um, a book that I'm reading now, and it's, it's fantastic in the area, especially in the area of data science, but it has nothing to do, it's not about data science, it uses data science, and it's called The Better Angels of Our Nature, and mm. uh, subtitle, Why Violence Has Declined, and it's by Steven Pinker, who happens to also be a linguist, but he's not really taking the ling a linguist, it's not a linguistic book, but it's about uh, a study, uh, a data study of, you know, are we becoming a more violent society now? Mm. The answer, the data does not support that conclusion. Mm. In fact, it doesn't support it in lots of interesting ways. And so, but you can look at, but it's nuanced. And so it's a, it's mm. a huge book. I think it's about 800 pages and I'm only about 300 into it. So it's wow. a, it's a, nice. it's a, it's a, it's a slogan book, but it's, it's, it's fantastic. And when I touch it, I can't, it's like binging. You, you start watching <laughs> and you start reading it and you go, I have to go to work now. Boom. And I have to put it down, you know, like that. That's a, a good book. Another book is called Finite and Infinite Games by James mm. Carson. Finite and Infinite Games. Uh, uh, James Kars was, uh, I guess he was uh, head of, uh, he was at uh, um, Harvard Divinity School. I think he mm. was uh, head of the Harvard Divinity School. Brilliant book about what's meaningful in life. And when you get back to integrity and what's meaningful mm. in life, it's, it's, mm. it's a brilliant book, you know, like that. And the final one I would put out would be Being Mortal by Atul Gawande. And uh, mm. medicine and what matters in the right. end, and it's a it's a fantastic read. It's one of those you touch it and you not put it down. And so those are those are six that's, books that I would say that are transformational in my that's, life. That's that's a good <laughs> list. Uh, and again, uh, Chuck, thank you so much uh, for sharing that. And and by the way, uh, we are almost at the end of the of the conversation. So thank you so so much for for being so candid and and sort of and walking us through your journey and walking us through uh and 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 before we part ways i think i definitely want to know uh do you have any closing remarks for our, our, our folks who are trying to understand the idea of what's the language of business what's the language of technology what what's your what's your thought for uh what's what's your closing thought for our, our, our folks i was thinking about that you mentioned about the closing thought and um so a great way to gain insights into anything is really to study it and challenge mm -hmm. it. You know, how do you come to accept something as being true? The notion mm -hmm. of truth, 
the notion of what is valid, the notion of what you allow it to be evidence, is really quite uh, quite remarkable. Because you, it, it's really only when you challenge your your strongly held beliefs that you either come to strengthen them again, which is mm -hmm. great, or you get open to new possibilities, new ways of being that that may be more health affirming and life affirming, and that sort of thing. Um, so let me challenge something. Um, um, don't confine your understanding of intelligence to organic systems. The process of understanding the world around you from language acquisition is neonates mm. to forming worldviews, as we mentioned earlier, to gathering knowledge, like reading things, experiencing things, gathering experience. This is an adaptive process that can be executed by inorganic means. I don't mean simulated mm. by an inorganic process any more than I would mean than I would say that some humans simulate it better than others. <laughs> so I'm saying, I'm putting out the challenge. You see, study it, challenge mm. it, and 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 look at what's possible. And you'll you'll expand. It'll be a it'll be a fun time at any rate. Interesting. Well, I think that's beautifully put. So, Chuck, with that, thank you so so much. Uh, it was a ball having a conversation with you, and uh, definitely you are more than welcome anytime. Come back on our show and and share your journey with our folks. And and thank you so much for being so generous with your time and 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 and, and walking us through your journey and helping our future technologists understand um, how to think about their business from. That this this idea of semantic and and how to sort of create a common language uh, and thank you so much for that. Hey, you're welcome, Vishal. Thank you. This great opportunity. Thank Thanks. you. Uh, I thought I was sick of home, but actually I was homesick. Never really knew that I would have to grow up so quick. I'm so uncomfortable. Don't know anybody here. Just a couple dudes that I met once. That's it. And I go into the booth feeling nervous. Got butterflies in my stomach like I'm so worthless. Is the mic on? I don't know how to work this. Inside I'm breaking down. I hope I'm not up on a certain